นโมทัสสะภะคะวะโตระตุสัมมาสัมบุตัสสะนโมทัสสะภะคะวะโตระตุสัมมาสัมบุตัสสะนโมทัสสะภะคะวะโตระตุสัมมาสัมบุตัสสะพุทธังดัมมังสังฆังนัมสามิ This is the full moon o p o s i t a This uh, tradition of using these moon days as a time to open into the bigger picture. That goes real need for human beings. We get very much caught up in the. Details of our lives, circumstances, the feasts and famines, and the quarrels and the loves and the confusions and the comings and goings, the possibilities and the probabilities and the things that failed and the things that should have been this way and that way. And mind gets very busy. When uh, I get in that kind of Busy days, it tries to assemble these circumstances of time and place and event into some kind of coherent reality of circumstances. <laughs> you know, work and place to live and people and it's kind of this and it's kind of that and right food and diet and health and exercise and weather and work, you know it's kind of thing. you know. Patch it all together to make it work, and this is the, you know, kind of the dream of secular society, isn't it? Where you could actually get all those all those bits and pieces lined up into the ideal, comfortable, you know, secure, progressive world, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and whatever goes into that. Uh, Adding up all these details, of course, it makes people very busy because it doesn't actually work. <laughs> uh, it comes up with some pretty amazing uh, phenomena, but they tend to be insecure and require enormous amounts of energy and input and manipulation to keep them going. And as you're well aware, and nothing gets beyond aging, sickness, and death. Mm. You know, the so-called real world isn't that real at all. Actually, it's a it's a, a puppet show, a facsimile, a shadow play, something that's concocted and held together uh, with a lot of powerful forces and energies going into it. But as you contemplate that, or recognize that, or get the flavor of it, so often the flavor of it is often frantic. Um, Painful, um, pushy, kind of make something to something else, hold it together, competitive, um, and can be very cruel actually, excluding people, excluding, first of all, excluding other elements of the of the living beings. Animals don't count. You know, just lock them up, kill them, eat them. And uh, trees don't count. Chop them down, make them into firewood and 
building materials, then uh, you know that this callousness, withdrawal of sympathy and concern, the sentient creatures, creatures that we share this created world with. Uh, you try and look at what the human perspectives on the world reality, you almost always ignore the welfare of non-humans. Mm. Are seen as subordinate. We claim the right. We rule the world. Humans are supreme. We rule the world. And everything else must bend to our will. And in a pretty stark and brutal way. Uh, and the more human beings there are, the more uh, stark and brutal that can be. Just the you know, tiny percentage of wildlife there is left. Most beings live in prisons. And, uh, you know, castrated and their horns cut off and poked and prodded and stuck in cages and then slaughtered. That's their fate. They're there to serve us. What kind of world is that? And then, of course, it moves on, doesn't it? You get third world, well, poor people in Guatemala, just, you know, other people. There's a certain echelon, generally white, count, secondary, and so on and so on and so on. And you find that the more this process goes on, there's an increasingly small percentage (laughs) of people who really get the cream, or more people get pushed to the sides, or made to be uh, servitude, dominated, exploited, uh, lesser than. What kind of world is that? Contracting world, marked by greed, hatred, delusion. Mm. Powerful. Powerful technologies in it, powerful energies, but not uh, very beautiful. Mm. It's uh, how do we how do we get to this? How do how human beings with intelligence, who definitely, you know, have care and concern and feel things and can be happy and loving. How do we get into this? Yeah. Through not understanding, through avijja, through getting entranced with dreams and fantasies and concocting a world of inferences and categories and that which counts that which doesn't count discriminated world constructed an edifice you know and it's absorption into getting all the little details of sensation and lined up to be as pleasant agreeable as possible for and within this, 
boundary, this kind of created world, which each individual get created. Individuals get created in that. I'm one of these. This is my nationality. This is my class, my gender, my 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 place in the system, mm. and ranked. Mm. And we sort of move into that. And some of us desperately, I want to get into that system, make a success, have a successful life, craving for it. Because that's, that's the belief that that's all there is. <laughs> you know? Get a good job, get a degree, get a good job, get a good waving, get a house, get a car, yeah, find the right person, yeah, the kids, and then get on. <laughs> so we would buy it, you know, people enlist in that, because you, you don't, you do the failure left by the side, left out of the human pool. And uh, as we see, an increasing number of people are left out, homeless, state, sometimes have no net, no nationality anymore. And people just, just jumping on boats, trying to cross the channel, drowning, or crossing the Mediterranean from Africa, trying to find somewhere to be and drowning because the boat was way overloaded. That desperate to find somewhere they could belong and be. What kind of world is that? Mm. Even their own own country, a country like this, which is, you know, technically a fairly affluent country, number of people, homeless and quite common now, food banks. Thank goodness there are food banks. You know, we gave a whole load of food away from the monastery. I'm very pleased to see it. We don't need that much. We've got lots more food than we need. Give it away to people. But, you know, how come? And sense contact, feeling, mind touches it, touches the mind, the mind gets excited more. Contact, feeling, dis- disagreeable feeling, touches the mind, the mind resists it, don't want it. Any diminution in pleasure, don't want it. Mm-hmm. Having to let go of something, give up something, don't want it. Just want the agreeable, mm-hmm. secure mind. And the, you know, the, the unspoken theme in, in the kind of contemporary society is each individual finds their own piece of territory, physical property, job, career, identity, place in life. That's your little place. You've got your, your place and you look at, look at the world from that position. Personality structure. Yeah. But it's never, <laughs> and then, you, then it's just unsatisfactory, because it is just uh, paper. Yeah, and we're living in virtual reality. Even money is not even paper anymore. It's just numbers. It's not even numbers. It's just promises flying around. How real is that? 
You look at these these structures <laughs> called nations and economies and politics and just what is it? It's just yeah. The ways of moving power and influence and uh, whenever there's power influence excludes it excludes it seeks power over others who don't count now, what kind of world is that uh, it arises from an unskillful response to contact <laughs> the sense contact the mind proliferating over details. Tactile, visible, but of course the mind has its own contact. The mind creates notions of future and success and more. And, you know, it gets excited by them. Beauty and excited by it. Success, praise, called the worldly winds. Very crude simplifications, praise and blame, fame and ignominy, happiness, unhappiness. Mind gets excited, activated, focuses on those underlying details reads them into experience this will make me happy secure comfortable excited by that drawn by that all the details of life starts to line up in accordance with those currents. We vote, or people vote for the people who make the biggest, loudest promises in line with those worldly dumbers. Everything's going to be free, taxes will fall, welfare, happiness, comfort, ease, security. <laughs> and it's obviously complete cloud of waffle and yet yet the the tones the, the, the tones that are touched obviously ring very deeply you know people get very activated around that wars yeah. get created around it what kind of world is that mm. just knowing what touches the heart is so important Knowing what touches the heart is so important. And knowing there are other things that can touch the heart than just these worldly dumbers. And you come to, uh, these are things to bear in mind constantly. Worldly dumbers will take you to anxiety, competition, irritation, 
disappointment, anger, greed, conflict. Domination and servitude. That's not all there is. We get so uh, indoctrinated into this world. When you can start living a real life in the real world instead of just sitting there watching your navel, breathing in and out, when you come to the real world, well, let's have a look at what, what the real world is. <laughs> Where's that? What real world? <laughs> you know, let's get down to basics. We're born. We come into a, we, some, we seem to come into a, a physical reality with sense contact that stimulates us and then sooner or later we die. That's, that's on one level. That's pretty truthful, isn't it? What's the rest of it about? What's the point of it all? Yeah. What's meaningful in all this? Is it just some weird charade we have to go through? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the Buddha, in his own way, considered things like this. What's the point of all this? And you come to the uh, these opposite occasions, then you're reminded, don't hate of something called virtue. There's something called virtue, which means to others as to myself. This includes, it does not exclude. This encompasses, it does not <laughs> exclude. Yeah. A sense of conscience and concern does not exclude. Conscious of concern for a beetle, cow, human being, people you don't like, still you can have conscience of concern for them. You don't want to kill them, lie to them. Yes, that's a, yes, you can, then you resonate with that one. Ah, yes, this is what being human's about. Now, this is a real thing because this sustains life. This widens the heart. This takes us out of the boxes. This does not create conflict. This encompasses and embraces. This suffuses. This makes a human being into a force of goodness and blessing rather than a force of tyranny and cruelty. This one, resonate with it. What does it do? You know, you really get the sense of that. It's, it's creates this kind of, we call it a field, I call it a field anyway, a field of virtue. And the heart kind of opens up into this sign, this nimitta, this quality of sensitivity for the welfare of, of others. What the others are, we don't know. We're not looking at the particular details, but just the quality that encompasses and the theme is, in Dhamma practice, the more you can widen that field to include not just your local people or your friends or your mother, or, but wider and wider, then the stronger, more beautiful, purer and more liberating it is. Because when I say, well, I just want, I like to be good to the people I like, my people, 
people I agree with, my, my kind of people, other people, well, you know, they have to look after themselves. <laughs> no, it's got to be, it's not just a personality thing, it's something that we should widen. You, know? you notice that it can do that. Yeah. You get a field effect, which any number of people could be, or even nobody could be in it. It could be just sitting there, the mind completely empty in a quality of, of ethical, of conscience of concern. It's got a sensitive, loving openness, trying to find the balance, finding a balance between our individuality and the wider world around us. And this whole sense of mutuality is, you know, basis of what Sangha's about. And the fourfold assembly, the Buddha certainly moved in those terms. Um, welfare of gods and humans, it's a pretty big field. You know, you talk to ogres and yuccas and devas and nagas and any anything that came along. <laughs> it wasn't like, no, you're not allowed in here. So that sense of that, uh, you're going to open it, you can dwell in it. And when you're getting lost in your own stuff about this, that and the other, and when I get a break and I feel, don't feel this, I don't like that, just wait a minute, let's just pause, let's put that one on hold, and come back to, right, where do I start to feel balanced? Remember, Circumstances come and go. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. That's life. Sometimes it's painful, sometimes it's pleasant. You know, sometimes things work and sometimes things break down. Some things arrive on time, some things don't arrive. That's the way it goes. Yeah. And in uh, our sense of renunciation, we're saying we're just not going to really make a big deal out of that. We've decided to let that to let go of that. I mean, not that we don't wish for it or try for it, but we're not going to get frantic about it. We're prepared to live with the discomforts and the uncertainties and the things breaking down because getting all focused on it and tight about it and twisted in it is, you know, it's not what we're about, really. It's not taking us to anywhere that's really that fruitful. Just having a nice little place to live with uh, you know, central heating works and the lights go on at the right time. And everybody, behave. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> I certainly don't mind if that happens. But I think what's really beautiful, which can take me beyond the walls of this place and beyond the daily concerns of this place, is to live in a dumber field. And the first sign of that is, you know. It's this mutuality to others as to myself. It's generosity. Can I give something? Can I serve something? Can I offer something? It's going to make my heart bigger and wider. You know, I won't get caught up in this pettiness. Of, you know, and can I live with a mind of virtue? Just knowing, you know. The other is just see the potential for details. Because uh, you know, to just suddenly touch you, and you feel, oh, I didn't get one of those. Who's this? He doesn't turn up, do you? Who's he doing? 
you know, these little petty squabbling details over other people's foibles and failings and misdemeanors and this not working, that working. And you can really get pretty, pretty petty. Oh, this not being right, that not being right. Surely people should be more mindful than this than the other. They're not very mindful here. He's not very mindful, monk. <laughs> Maybe not, but how mindful are you being <laughs> when you make that statement? <laughs> are you mindful of what's happening in your own mind? <laughs> Which is the main thing. You're getting judgmental, <laughs> uptight, and narrow-minded. You know, like, let's, let's get back to what the point of it was. It wasn't, wasn't for anybody else to be liberated, it's for you to liberate yourself. That's the deal. And, you know, while the world of circumstance and people making mistakes is going to keep happening, right? It's going to keep happening, so you keep rolling on. Yeah. And you're going to get snarled up in it. <laughs> Seeing, seeing what details need to be focused on. This is the quality of Yonisomani Sikara, proper attention, skillful attention, wise attention. What is it worth giving attention to? And Buddha is saying, well, you give attention to qualities, to dhammas, to that which touches you, which gives rise to skillful states. And you don't give attention to, you don't keep giving your attention to phenomena that gives rise to unskillful states. You know, it's pretty simple really, isn't it, when you get it. Do you have some say over that? Do you really have, do you have some say over that? Or is it your mind just suddenly rushes towards something and gets snarly? <laughs> How did that happen? Gets buried in a souffle or something. <laughs> Greed. <laughs> absorbed into some fantasy. And so, yeah, you know, you get the picture of what should be, one should give attention to, but you begin to realize, hey, I don't have much say over my mind. It's like a hungry dog. It snarls and snaps, jumps on things and chews them up, barks and yaps, and then buries itself and guzzles. <laughs> so, better meditate. because that's an important cultivation field of cultivation how does meditation fit into community life do you think meditation is something you can only do on your own nobody's bothering me quiet still peaceful alone one time myself to be with people, things going on, oh, I can meditate, I can't be mindful because there's five other people in the room. <laughs> Impossible to practice here. I want it my own place, my way, my time, with nothing annoying me, then I'll be okay, and I can meditate. Now the monks say that. Pretty much in those, not quite in those terms, they pretty much like it. Can't be mindful because there's other people around. What the hell do you think mindfulness is then? 
self-obsession. <laughs> and there was a renowned monk. He went, he went for about 30 years finding, trying to find the right place to meditate and the right teacher to meditate who was going to teach him. He spent years and years. Everywhere he went, he decided, no, you can't practice here. There's too many people. No, you can't practice here, it's too busy. No, you can't practice here because it's too cold. You can't practice here, the food's not good. And he convinced himself that there's nowhere he could practice, so he disrobed. (laughs) (laughs) So he was right. (laughs) Because in this practice, there's no room, but no room for self in it. (laughs) As soon as self takes over, you go, you find all kinds of reasons why self can't practice here. Because self can't carve out its special private zone. <laughs> but that isn't what meditation is about. Our main work is dismantling the cage rather than decorating it. Dismantling the cage of personality rather than filling it up with all kinds of baubles and trinkets. Dismantling the cage rather than putting nice wallpaper on it. It's the main work. And you look at that, you really get the sense of this. Because this is the thing that is so, is the kind of sum total of our obsessions with details. We're like a magpie picking up little bits and pieces to make our, our self cocooning, our self nesting. You see what it does. Endlessly discontent. <laughs> Because <laughs> you can't meditate here. <laughs> and you want to, you, you know, so you start to find reasons. You know, you construct meditation. Oh, it's this being out of focus, or it's this one point near mind. Well, the Buddha didn't teach that. So you'd be, be aware, notice feelings. Phenomena, sense contact, notice the, how they are, pick up the qualities of virtue, pick up the qualities of generosity, pick up those themes that your mind tune into those themes. Pay attention to what is important to pay attention to. Supportive dhammas that are encompassing, spotless, praised by the wise, they include. that take you out of the self-obsession. Pay attention to those, linger in them, and you'll find they're very enjoyable and have a power to uplift the heart, to sustain the heart, and to cause the heart to to shrug off these fetters of self-obsession. And these fetters we call the world. And the self and the world are pretty much two aspects of the same constructed trap. We're coming out of that. Meditation isn't about absorbing into a detail, it's picking up a, a quality that's worth giving attention to, which will, will lift the heart. 
you linger in that, can I experience the sense of, you know, virtue when there's 17 other people in? I think I can. Can I experience a sense of generosity? There's 700 people. I think I can. Can I be a notice, be mindful of the forms as they are? Uh, Yes, I think I can. And when you see that, what do you bear in mind? You bear in mind steadying, calming, within that. Don't get lost in the details. Of course, if you focus on the details of every individual, it's going to be crazy. If you focus on every sight and sound, it's going to be very busy. Instead, you focus on quality of loving kindness, openness, may they be well, settling, settling into that, taking in, and you find the energy of that quality begins to suffuse the body, it becomes very solid. You feel the energy, your body calms down. Body calms down, it's no longer a physical thing, it's just the bright, comfortable energy you settle into, spreads. It also widens. And you find this property, this quality of suffusiveness and pervasiveness that you can dwell in. It's not a detail, it's a field. And so often in meditation, well, many meditations we're looking at getting this microscopic thing, piece of the Vipassana mythology, not in the suttas, nothing there in the suttas. You know, you get whole systems which are based upon running a microscope over, over life, looking at tiny little details in your body, on your nose, on your feet, and scrutinizing over these micro, microscopic moment at a time mindfulness it's not there, the Buddha didn't teach it <laughs> if he's the, supposed to be the excellent teacher why didn't he teach it? Because the sure way, the more stable way, is not to do that with your mind, not to close your mind into tight spaces, but to settle into abiding aramanas, moods, modalities of heart, energies that are not contained in narrow points or boxes, but widen and spread. And this is where the dismantling begins to happen by itself. The world dissolves in that. Time and place dissolve. Hmm? Thoughts begin to just melt down. Discriminations and differentiations melt down. Hmm? Happy, pleasant, steady. Doesn't cost anybody anything. 
doesn't seek to dominate anything. Doesn't exclude. And you can cultivate this. And you can bring that to bear upon the mind gets stuck in some issue or another. Wait, stop, pause. Okay, this is the mind getting stuck in an issue. Just feel how narrow it is, how speedy it is, how tight it is. Step back from that. Look into the heart. Feel it in your body. Release. That was something to not give attention to. And then, what is worthy of giving attention to? Pick up the sign. The sign of the hazardous quality of life. You realize how susceptible you are, how vulnerable we can be. You pick up that sense of sangwega, urgency, sobriety. Hey, this can get very tricky, you know. I get snared. My mind is vulnerable, dupable, susceptible, seducible. You get the sense of sobriety. Urgency, hey, you know, how many people have committed murder just by following three mind moments in the wrong direction? Said silly things, stupid things, painful things, things they regret for the rest of their life because they followed three or four mind moments. It's touchy, it's, it's, you know, we recognize that. You know, this is for this one and also for others are also vulnerable, you know, sensitive. So you maintain that sense of the, the, like a wariness that's not anxious. It's just like you're walking through a jungle because this is pretty good, good image. You know, there's no point getting paranoid, but you don't, don't doze off. Don't start jumping up in there and snapping your heels because it's a sunny day. Stay grounded, stay restrained. You know, be aware. Look out. Look out for what? Start to recognize the things that excite the mind, that cause the mind to be angry, obsessive, dogmatic, possessive. And those you ward off and you begin to recognize individually where your own weak spots are and you make an effort to shield that, to discard that, to cut it away, to fortify yourself from those influences with determination, with resolution. Certainly, you know, in this Sangha life, we have many opportunities. The encouragement is to develop our own individual upaya, skillful means, to resolve, to not find ourselves just willy-nilly rushing into things which, which are causing unskillful states to arise. 
This is our work. Our main work. The rest of it's just getting by, you know? Keeping the place going. And then you start to see where are the special things you can do. The little pieces of initiative you can take to... Yeah, that would be... That would kind of be, open me up a little bit further. That would be more generous. That would be more... Uh, bright. Noble. And you know, this is, these, are, these are qualities. These are not persons. It's not like I am such a noble person. But you know there is nobility in the human mind that you can touch into. How you express that is up to you. But there is that, and you know what it means. And we all have that potential. And then when you come to these occasions of reviewing, the beauty of one of the beauties of this particular cultivation. Yeah, we're not going forward, just going round in a circle. Here we are again, Uposita. Here we are again, Moon. Here we are again. How was that last two weeks? How was that last week? Yeah, where were the snags? Where, where was the things I was getting, falling asleep in? And what can I do to shore that up? And it will cause uh, a widening of wisdom which is the supreme field of Dhamma. Certainly you can get some very beautiful effects, samadhi, when the mind feels expanded, strong, vibrant, phenomena disappear, mind is very quiet, but even more than that, it's the field of wisdom, wider, knowing exactly where uh, hindrances arise, what causes them to cease? Knowing where enlightenment factors can be found, generated, brought into fruition, cultivated. Knowing one has that potential. It's not personal. The things that lead out of that. My attachments, my things I, you know, all the time we just, sometimes for the person there's a sense of despair, even, in this practice. And many times, a sense of, I'm useless, I can't make it, what's the point, just rotting away in his place, could be doing something more useful, you know, despair of the person, not getting anywhere, stuck in his same place with his, you know, a bunch of people, okay, I suppose, but what about some real life, you know? And, uh, you know, person wants, he was despondent. And there's a kind of a, a relinquishment that occurs when you, you realize this is not really about a person. If you're trying to make yourself personally comfortable, happy, 
know who you are, get yourself sorted out. It sounds plausible, but it doesn't. I don't think it's going to work. Because it's the wrong vehicle. You don't have to be a person. (laughs) We have to use them. Certainly we have to use them and adopt them. You know, like our clothes. We don't have to be one. That was another piece of the mythology that we accepted. (laughs) How to be your own independent, individual man or woman. (laughs) What a sham that was. You know? The real beauty is we just the, the beauty of the heart, the chitta, moving beyond that. And the person often feels very confused. Then you turn towards qualities of giving, service, kindness, of relinquishment, uh, steadying, settling. Leave the person behind. These occasions, particularly these occasions, when you're encouraged to let that happen, take the strength and the vitality that comes from getting out of that, and then you can bring it back into a personal presentation in the way that you serve and live and offer and that's quite natural it's not like you have to force it because the nature of it is if you do cultivate properly and clearly you will serve the world you will do good for the world (laughs) because it's natural why should you not (laughs) yeah just you know you've got to realize what the world is it's not geography I'm not looking at political entities or national entities or geography looking into the world of human consciousness which we can raise the level of it this is, this is the world that needs to be uplifted and then we can dip into these strengthened values and strengthened, trusted and properly exercised virtues and qualities. People can drink it because we've, we've been able to cultivate it and share it and spread it. And it's a really beautiful thing to have the opportunity to do in this life. So when we come to these occasions to... Remember our refuge, our teacher, our teachers. Touch into that which is worthy of touching into. That which causes the mind to open, lift and expand. To come out of its sorrow and struggle. Make much of it. This is the possibility. This is the encouragement. Don't waste your time. Hmm. Anyone?